Texas and beyond. Brand new stuff from the Turnpike Troubadours. House Fire is the name of that one. Kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Thanks to you guys and gals for being here today. It is a treat, as always. And man, it is a great time to be alive in the great outdoors. We've got quail opening up this weekend. We've got doves still going on archery, whitetail seasons. Folks out west are still hammering away on uh, late season elk and mule deer. And truly, truly, one of the best times of the year. It's it's getting cold. Hell, I mean, this weekend, temperatures down in the 30s across much of the southern United States, which is awesome for so many reasons. I expect lots of ducks to start showing up soon. Uh, predators, Gonna be on the move, looking for uh, something warm to snack on. So it's a great time to get out that electronic call and go to town on some coyotes and bobcats. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I feel like every day from this point until basically the end of January that I don't get to go outside and hunt something. I feel like it's a waste today. I'm not gonna lie. It's prime time for just so many different things. And uh, yeah, I guess days that I'm in the studio. Uh, if you can't be actually outside hunting or fishing, I guess the next best thing is to be talking about it with you fine folks. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not a bad consolation prize. And, and, uh, like every week, it's a treat to be here with you. So thank you so much for dropping in as we've got a great show planned for today. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire, pour yourself another cup of coffee because we are ready to rock and roll off the top. We'll be joined by our old friend, Linda Powell of Mossberg Firearms. We're going to talk about the uh, the new Mossberg Shockwave, which just became legal to own in Texas anyway, back on September 1st. And there's various reasons for that, uh, which Linda will explain. And then also, she just got back from an epic moose hunt in British Columbia. So we'll get the skinny on that and find out whether or not she was able to tag a big bull. Uh, so cool stuff coming up with uh, Linda. And then uh, Evan Felker frontman for the turnpike troubadours you just heard one of their latest tunes house fire off the new record a long way from your heart anyway evan will be here makes his return to the show and uh, we'll discuss the new record hear a couple tunes off of it and then really get into evan's passion which is bird hunting the guy has literally a full kennel of pointers and upland dogs so we'll talk some quail uh, some upland dogs and training all that good stuff coming up here i think uh, he just got back from an archery elk hunt as well so we might get into that too uh, so cool stuff coming up with uh w- someone who in my opinion is about the best singer songwriter out there these days uh, and then we'll wrap up today's broadcast with a segment uh, i'm gonna call small farms big bucks because my buddy sean callahan from south pond outdoors just tagged a missouri monster on his own property which he was able to buy at auction, gosh, uh, less than a year ago. So Sean hasn't had this place very long, and he stuck an arrow in a buck of, of many lifetimes this past week. 
and, and so we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that because so many big bucks are killed on relatively small pieces of property. Uh, I would say not as common in Texas because we do have bigger acreage properties. But when you get to the Midwest, some of these farms are for sure smaller than 100 acres, a lot of them significantly less. Uh, I think Sean's was right in that 90-acre uh, range. But uh, we'll we'll talk about this buck that he named War Machine, which he got his first picture of this buck back in August, and then here we are a couple months later, and he's got him on the ground and a trophy of a lifetime and, and delicious venison to feed his family. And like I said, I've, I've always been fascinated by these, these small properties that hold these giant deer. Uh, so that's what we'll get into coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It's going to be a good show. I'm glad that you're here along for the ride. A couple other things to mention. Don't forget that our October photo of the month contest is rocking and rolling. Brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. We've got a 100-pound road feeder, which you can attach to your hitch, your uh, your bumper, or ATV, whatever. Uh, corn those senderos with it. And uh, think MSRP, the, the value of it is 300 bucks. We're going to give it away to this month's winner. So to enter your best hunting or fishing photo, just uh, shoot me an email to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page or tag us on Instagram with the LSOS photo contest hashtag. Uh, we'll get you entered. And then our 12 monthly winners from 2017 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So another awesome grand prize hunt package from KCR. Uh, let's do uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got, what are we going to do today? Oh yeah, I've got a, an entire box of Costa sunglasses, caps, and t-shirts they just uh, sent here. And uh, we need to start getting those into your hands. So third person to text in the word Costa, that's Costa, to 214-289-7807. We'll send you a Costa cap and t-shirt. So be sure to hit me up on the text line and uh, enter to win today's giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, we're talking shockwave shotguns and BC moose hunting with Linda Powell of Mossberg Firearms right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. It ain't nothing a little bit of love won't fix. It ain't nothing but a scratch, a little bit of love can stitch. It ain't nothing. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, threecurl.com to book your next hog hunt. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. 
Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do uh, deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one-morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at HuntOutlaw.com. Hey, y'all, this is Kyle Park, and you are listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm packed up, and I'm ready, checking out of my hotel. I'm always in a hurry to get home at the end of a long weekend. One of my favorites there from Kyle Park bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show, Leaving Stephenville is the name of that one. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for letting me ride shotgun with you here as, man, we are about to talk some shotguns, actually. Uh, but first, this segment of the show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club. I tell you guys and gals about DSC every week. And if you're not a member, hey, I'm not saying you have to join, but at least give it some thought. Uh, you can find us at biggame.org because I guarantee you this, there isn't a better group of folks who are passionate about hunters' rights education, and conservation than the folks over at Dallas Safari Club. So check it out, biggame.org. All right, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. She is a longtime friend of the show, and I think it would be fair to say that she is uh, obsessed with big game hunting from all of her escapades chasing bear and moose and uh, various other big game animals. Uh, but it is my pleasure to welcome back to the program Mossberg Firearms Media Relations Director, Linda Powell. How in the world are you? I'm doing great, Cable. It's uh, been a busy fall already, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. We're we're all happy to be out in the field this time of year, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know you're doing great, and I would probably have a, a smile plastered on my face just as big as the moose you shot because that looked like uh, a heck of an adventure. Wow, 16 days, and um, this was my eighth moose hunt. And I have to say, you know, most of us have a black cloud with something, and moose have kind of been mine that have just been a challenge for me. But I think I've finally broken the jinx now. Um, I ended up with a really just nice, mature 
um, mid-50-inch bull, and I am still really excited and smiling. <laughs> yeah, and and that was in British Columbia? I, I was. I was in northern British Columbia, and it was kind of a unique situation. We were lake hunting. So we actually uh, floated around on the like the zodiac rafts and uh, did a lot of calling because they're still kind of in the rut and, um, you know, had a few encounters. BC does have a minimum requirement of three I-guards or I-tons, uh, or 10 points total on one side. So we had several encounters with, with bulls that weren't legal, uh-huh. which made it pretty exciting. But um, uh, out of the three of us that were hunting, two of us got uh, got legal bulls. So oh. great, great hunt and uh, just beautiful scenery, too. It's one of the most scenic places that I've been. I think we just got uh, quite the contrast between the lake and the fall colors and uh, just beautiful sunsets and sunrises and just a, a great trip all the way around. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I've never been to BC. I have my first uh, trip up there around the corner, though, coming up the first week of February. Oh, wow. And I'll be, uh, I imagine the scenery and the, <laughs> the weather conditions will be a little different. I would imagine. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're doing a trap line adventure for wolves and lynx. Uh, oh, how exciting. Yeah, for a full week. So I'm pumped about that. Um, now, you actually took this bull with the 300 Win Mag? I did. I had uh, one of our Patriot Bolt Action Rifles. Perfect for this hunt. I had the uh, laminate stock and marine coat finish in the 300 Win Mag. And, boy, that that was uh, the gun that I needed for a moose. I tell you what, they're tough animals to take down, and um, that was the, the appropriate uh, firearm and caliber to have. Okay, and so when... Pulling the trigger on a moose, are you breaking down his shoulder or are you going for vitals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it depends, uh, you know, outfitter to outfitter. But uh, we basically were trying for just behind the shoulder. But it was interesting. I was with the other gentleman when he took his moose and uh, then when mine as well. Both of them took three shots to bring him down. And they were all, you know, well-placed shots all in that shoulder vital area. But uh-huh. uh, a very, very tough animal and uh uh, you know, like I said, definitely probably wouldn't want to go less with that than that 300 Win Mag. And so, okay, three shots. Um, when when I saw the picture of this moose, he was in the water. <laughs> so, uh, and and this happens more frequently, I think, than people realize when moose hunting because moose, uh, as a species, they gravitate towards wet areas. So, and are often around water. And and to be, I mean, you are lake hunting, so you're hunting them around the water source. Um, what was that experience like as far as quartering this thing up, packing the meat out as, I, I don't know what he weighed, 1,500 pounds maybe? Oh, yeah, they're they're big animals, you know, twelve easily 1,200 pounds, uh-huh. you know. I, we were pretty fortunate. There was actually a camp uh, along the lake uh, that had a pretty decent trail. And so we were able to get a four-wheeler in, and then drop down, the, the water level in the lake was low, so we were able to drop down on the, the shore. And actually, with the ATV, we pulled the moose out of the water. So we were very fortunate. We got it on dry land uh, mm-hmm. to be able to uh, dress it out and uh, quarter it out. And then we we actually um, loaded the moose, you know, in the boats to take them back to camp. So that came in very handy. Oh, nice, yeah. Well, you know, you see these horror stories of, and we all know that wounded animals or even animals that are about to expire, they're going to head for water. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the God wasn't too happy with me. He said that was the furthest he'd had one out in the water, but I kind of gave it back to him because he told me that he thought we'd be able to get in within 60 yards, and we didn't. So <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. it, it was uh, 
fair play there, you know. But right. we, like I said, we're very fortunate. We uh, we got them out, and I'm looking forward to getting that meat home and sharing it with friends and enjoying it for the for the next year. Wow. And so, okay, you said this was your eighth moose hunt. Yes. And was this the first moose you you took? No, out of the eight, I actually had taken two very small bulls previously, but um, just situations where I've had a lot of kind of near-death experiences on moose hunts. It's really, really rugged country, you know, a lot of water. You're typically going in on Argos and ATVs, and just conditions are are not ideal. So that's why I was going to say when I've had some real, really bad luck on moose hunts, but um, both of the moose that I've taken before ended up being the only ones that I saw on the hunt, uh-huh. and they were young bulls that, uh, you know, weren't typically what you'd like to take as far as trying to take out a more mature animal, but yeah. they were still good eating anyway. <laughs> sure. So, okay, three out of eight. That sounds like me and mule deer. Uh, that's, kind of, that's my nemesis. Uh, but that's good because I got I got a public land buck this year in New Mexico, so I think uh, maybe we're, we're, we're headed in the right direction anyway. Good for you. Congratulations. Um, well, okay, let's talk about something else here. Exciting stuff. On September 1st, the uh, state of Texas legalized the Mossberg Shockwave, which is uh, a pretty cool little shotgun. But I guess it kind of falls into a category all to itself, and that's why there was this loophole. Because you think of Texas as this, you know, as and it is probably the most liberal gun state out there. And we're proud of that. So when you told me oh, here's this gun that's illegal in Texas. I was like, wait, why is there any gun that is illegal in my state? Uh, but we got that corrected, and we're excited. I've I've had a chance to shoot it now quite a few times. Absolutely love it. But I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk a little bit about the shockwave. Sure. You know, it's just been quite the phenomenon. We introduced it at the uh, 2017 SHOT Show in, in January. And what, what it is, I guess try to best way to explain it to people, it is based on our 590 shotgun platform, but it falls into a category that's defined as a firearm by the BATF. Uh And the reason for that is it has an overall length of 26 inches, has a 14-inch barrel, which most people would say, hey, wait a minute, that makes it a short-barreled shotgun. But the difference is this is actually equipped with what we call a bird's head grip. So it is not meant to be shoulder mounted. Mm-hmm. So it comes straight from the factory in this configuration. And if you don't modify it, then it is legal uh, and it doesn't require any special paperwork or tax stamps like other short barrel uh, shotguns would require. So it, this is just a great, It's number one, it's fun to shoot, but it's a great compact home defense, uh, personal fence uh, firearm. You know, I think it's great whether it be in a, a vehicle, a camper, your backpack, your boat, or like I said, you know, by your nightstand at home. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a great home defense gun. Yeah, well, it certainly is compact. I think it holds, does it hold six uh, two it, and three quarter inch shells? It will hold six rounds. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, some of the other features that I really like with it being this short, we actually do have a strap on the forend, so it makes it nice for control and also to keep your hand back away from the muzzle. Uh, as all of Mossberg's, uh, you know, shotguns, it has the top-mounted safety. Uh, the receiver's drilled and tapped, so it's really easy to add optics or accessories. Uh, it does have sling swivel studs, uh, so you can easily add the sling. Um, 
like I said, just a just a great compact um, home defense firearm. Oh, absolutely fun to shoot. Also, and uh, and I've had the the chance to shoot. Uh, just you know, basically, I just grabbed what was convenient. So for me this time of year, that was dove loads. Sure. And uh, did some patterning out at the uh, out at the lease recently. And then also had uh, some mini shells that I played with, and I think man, I can't remember how many of those it would hold. Uh, it should hold about nine of those, I yeah. think, from when... So you can definitely increase your capacity if you use the Aguila uh, mini-shells. You know, the only thing I would mention is there is an adapter that you might want to pick up. Uh, I know Opsol is the manufacturer of one of them, available uh, through retailers but also online. It's just like a little rubber insert that you put in that just will ensure reliable feeding of those shorter shells yeah yeah well and i did have an issue with those cycling but that's that's the shell i mean they're they're you have to have that adapter um and that's across the board i've i've seen lots of people trying to shoot these things with with a wide array of you know brands of shotguns and sure they just don't work so uh not not consistently anyway uh so definitely get the adapter but those are cool little shells uh slugs is what what i was shooting and um as far as how you fire this weapon I was shooting it from the hip. I imagine that's pretty standard. Yeah, you know, and there are a number of videos out there by by trainers, firearms trainers that show you different techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to be careful. You know, you can't mount it as you would a traditional uh, shotgun uh, because the recoil will come back. But uh, it is easier if you if you follow the proper techniques. You can either shoot it from the hip or either hold it up more at shoulder height and use the and use the bead sight. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, just, just a warning to be careful with that because of the recoil coming back. But kind of exciting news now. I, I will tell you, when we first brought it out in the 12-gauge, the number one question was, well, how about a 20-gauge? Right. I'm happy to share with you today we are already building and shipping 20-gauge. Awesome. We announced it last week at the NASGW show, which is the National Association of Sporting Goods Wholesalers. And um, so if if you feel like the 12-gauge isn't exactly what you had in mind, you know, uh, check out the new 20-gauge. Yeah. That definitely will help with uh, with the recoil. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so cool. So now available in 20-gauge. Uh, what is the uh, what is the MSRP on the Yeah, the wave? suggested retail on the either either gauge is $450. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm guessing... Uh, They've been flying off the shelf. I don't know if you'll see them much lower than that, but I wouldn't be surprised if you'd see them down close to the $400 range. Mm -hmm. And I want to get a plug-in for us here, too. I'm really proud to tell you that Mossberg won two awards last week at the NASGW show. That's right. (laughs) One was for Innovator of the Year, uh, and the second one was for Best New Product overall, so that beat out all categories. And that was for the 590 Shockwave. So, uh, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, really, really exciting. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's uh, let's tell our listeners about a giveaway for. Let's let them choose the Shockwave that they want, 12 or 20 gauge. I think that's a great idea. And we're not going to give it away on the air. What we're going to do is uh, promote it through our social media outlets here. For uh, we'll, we'll do about five posts on Facebook and Instagram over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll just uh, let the computer pick a winner. That way everybody has the same odds of, uh, of winning the shockwave. And, and you guys have been so good uh, to our listeners over the years. I don't know how many guns we've given away, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be 12 or 15. So we certainly appreciate that. You've made a, a lot of folks happy. Well, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, loyal uh, consumers there in Texas, and so we're we're really happy to support uh, 
support your program in the, the Texas market as well. And, again, proud that we're building uh, most of our guns now in the state of Texas. That's right, which is why it was so crazy. I was like, why is this gun illegal? It's being built here, you know? <laughs> so, well, it didn't take as long to get that sorted out, which uh, I would expect from our state anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Linda, congrats on the moose. Thank uh, you so much. We will look forward to your next. What is your next adventure? Well, I'm I'm going kind of in the the opposite direction now, but I'm heading to uh, South Dakota mm-hmm. uh, this next week for pheasants, and that's one of my favorite things too. Nothing better than a pheasant hunt and getting to watch dogs work and and just uh, spending time with friends in the field. Awesome, yeah. We've got uh, we have to wait till December for pheasants in Texas, but uh, we've got our quail opener coming up this weekend, so. I will be uh, I'll be out there enjoying some uh, some Bob White action hopefully as well. Well, good, good luck and uh, and have fun. Awesome. What uh, what shotgun will you be taking with you? Uh, I'm actually going to be uh, field testing uh, the new SA28 gauge. So uh, I got a chance to shoot it a little bit this past weekend on some clays, and I think I'm ready to take it to field now and and see how it works on pheasants. Awesome. Well, good luck. Thank you. There she goes, our good friend Linda Powell of OF Mossberg and Sons. Uh, always great talking big game hunting and finding out the uh, you know latest and greatest from Mossberg. Because, hey, usually when Linda comes on, we give away a gun, which seems to be uh, three or four times a year. So great to have her on. Uh, that segment, by the way, brought to you by the all-new Drive Over Chalk. If you're hauling an ATV, four-wheeler, golf cart, Jeep, or otherwise, you need to protect your investment, and you can do that with the drive-over chalk. You install it right there on your flatbed trailer, drive over it, and boom, your investment is locked in place. It's not going anywhere. So you can find it at driveoverchalk.com, and you'll get free shipping on your order. If you tell them you heard about it here, use the promo code Lone Star or Cable to get free shipping when you order at driveoverchalk.com. All right, uh, let's take a break. Up next, a very special treat. Our old buddy and Turnpike Troubadour's front man, Evan Felker, will be here. Uh, We'll talk some bird dogs, shotguns, and get into the new Turnpike record right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I can hear his spurs a-jangling The chimes of a slapping tag As his horse lopes up a ridge With the moonlight on Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. So you know I love my guns and one of my favorite hobbies is target shooting. 
Grant Stinchfield here. Recently, I got to experience what it's like to shoot at the Rockwall Gun Club. It's an amazing place, sitting on 70 acres, but what makes the Rockwall Gun Club so special is not just its first-class state-of-the-art facilities, yes, it even has a 500-yard rifle range where your results show up on an iPad, but for me, it's the private atmosphere. It's like a country club for gun owners, 100% members only. And what's so cool is that many of the members are law enforcement officers, so it's common to be shooting next to the pros. The Rockwall Gun Club has 19 100-yard rifles stations, 19 25-yard pistol stations, and if archery is your thing, there's even a range for bow hunters. Now is the time to act. Become a founding member like me. The incentives they're offering are too good to pass up. The Rockwall Gun Club offers family and corporate memberships. Visit rockwallgunclub.com to set up a tour and see firsthand what it's like to be part of a private shooting experience. Visit rockwallgunclub.com. That's rockwallgunclub.com. Tell them Grant Stinchfield sent you. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. I hear the crackle of a campfire You're howling at the moon We all know that you gotta go But does it have to be so soon? Bet somebody's yelling last call I hope you get some rest Hope you found everything that you wanted In the place you love the best Hey No Rent is the name of that one there Brand new stuff from the Turnpike Troubadours. I'm Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I don't know if I'm actually supposed to play songs that haven't been released as a single off the new record, but I think my parents can tell you following the rules uh, never really was one of my strong points. So who cares? We're going to do what we want to do and uh, introduce new music to you guys and gals. And here in a second, we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, as Turnpike Troubadour's frontman and our old friend Evan Felker will be here uh, in just a second, actually. I think he's already on the line. But first, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, available this hunting season in the camo can. So grab a 12-pack on your way to the deer lease this fall, and remember to uh, celebrate dropping the hammer on that big 10 point with an ice cold Lone Star beer. Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. All right, uh, well, without further ado, let's bring him on right now. Longtime friend of the show, Turnpike Troubadours, Evan Felker. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, it's been, uh, well, I guess it's been since your last record, so a couple years now. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, always a treat. Uh, first of all, have you been able to squeeze in uh, any dove hunting here or there with uh, with a new record coming out? I know you're uh, not not really. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I went once. Yeah, and uh, just goofed around at at a, one of my cousins' uh, right. places and did a little shooting. Um, but it's it's just been so hot in Oklahoma that it's not, it's hardly worth it for me. Yeah, well, I, I know my my deer lease is actually in Atoka County, and I uh, I climbed a tree last Wednesday and it was miserable. I was sweating my tail off, wishing that I yeah. had dove hunting instead of deer hunting. To be honest. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so uh, a long way from your heart dropped last week. Uh, yep. Killer project, by the way. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, just uh, 
you know, I get a new record and I just wear it out. I, I can't get enough. <laughs> um, did you guys lock yourselves up in an old chicken farm like you did for the previous self-titled? No, record? actually, this one was a uh, pecan orchard in El Paso, Texas. Oh. Uh, that was yeah. It was it was somehow even more maddening. Uh, just it was just like this sort of desolate. Like there was no leaves on the trees and everything looked the same everywhere. And uh, yeah, we were just sort of sort of stuck out in, at a pecan orchard. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, I don't know how bands typically do it. I know a lot of them just go you know go to a studio. Maybe they hit it multiple times. But you guys kind of go to a destination and uh... we like to you know and. Um, it suits us. It's not, you know, it's not the end all be all, but, um, and I've done things, you know, the other way as well. And it takes a, a lot longer to record. It seems like, um, if you're just doing, you know, a day here and a day there. Um, and you know, like a, around the house, everybody seems to have, you know, something to do something on their mind. You know, once you get, once you get away from sort of your, your standard chores and you can sort of clear, clear your head and focus solely on the project. Right on. Well, so what is different about A Long Way From Your Heart compared to the previous projects? Uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's it's a lot like the other projects. I think it sounds a lot better. Um, we, you know, had had some different different gear, you know, recorded it on maybe a little bit better better gear. And uh, our, our producer is really, really excellent uh, um, at uh, getting things to come out, you know, at a, at a high quality sonically. Okay. Well, yeah, and I always... You know, when I ask musicians, well, hey, you know, what's different about this record, or what's your favorite song you've ever written? It's like asking them to pick which kid they like the most. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I like this record the most, but I've always liked all of you know the new record's always my favorite. So yeah, well, you know, you allude to your old Browning A5 in this record, uh huh, uh huh, much like the last P- record. Picked up on that, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I personally love I like that it. common thread uh, because I was recently given my grandfather's Browning Sweet Sixteen. Uh, oh yeah. For my my cousin doesn't hunt. He was just like, "Hey, you know, you want mm-hmm. granddad's gun?" I was like, "Well, hell yeah, I want granddad's yeah. gun." I uh, actually always wanted it, so now I have it. Uh, yeah, I gave I actually gave my dad one of those for his birthday this this like last week. Nice. Um yeah, I, I wound up with a couple of them and uh I had never had one before, so I thought I'd get him one too. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah, and I and I smile when I hear you talk about, you know, that that, you know, that alliteration there cuz it makes me think of my grandfather's gun and and i always smile when i hold it so uh that's pretty cool yeah i've got i've got my it's it's a light 12 uh the old old brown shotgun that was my grandpa's t- traded a bunch of hands and wound up back in mine but uh i've done a bunch of bird hunting with it yeah <laughs> i still take it every year well like i said it brings a smile to my face um and then you know one of, one of the other songs the windy stair Mountain Blues, um, you talk about Killing a Deer and that song. Um, sure, yeah, that's kind of a, uh, folks down there, especially sort of like when I was a kid, uh, there was a lot of deer poaching that went on just for sort of sort of groceries, you know, yeah. and, uh, and uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> so you're getting into the outlaw side of things there. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody down there is an outlaw. Yeah. Oh, I know. I might, like I said, my lease is in Oklahoma, so you can <laughs> you can rest assured that I've had trail cams stolen, and <laughs> we've had. Actually, one cool thing was uh, we got pictures of guys on our property with guns, and then another time they were back with bows, and 
I put their faces on Facebook, and one of the benefits of having this show and and significant number of followers was they were issued tickets and in handcuffs within 24 hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not that I'm, if it was you, I don't. I'd be like, oh, I know that guy. That's cool. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma's a different animal, that's for sure. Uh, obviously, you guys are touring your tails off. Uh, you've got the new record out. So yep. what uh what if any plans do you have to try to get into the woods or you know I know I think last time we talked you you mentioned maybe you were interested in doing an elk hunt I don't know if you ever got Yeah, I, we went we already went in September to Idaho and uh didn't have a whole lot of luck. It was just it was hot and the bulls weren't really rutting yet, but saw some really pretty country and got to uh kill some grouse and stuff like that, you know. But Blue grouse or what what kind of grouse? Both, rough and blues. Oh nice. Nice. Yeah, there 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 were a lot of them this year, and man, they're they're good to eat. And, no, you know, we're we're camping pretty primitive, so it's nice having some, some meat. Yeah. Well, so w- did you go with an outfitter, or what did you guys do on that? I just went with a friend of mine. Oh, cool. So you all packed in? Yeah. That's yeah, he's got to talk, it. and we packed in. Nice. Probably seventeen, eighteen miles. Yeah. There you go. Well, did you notice a different flavor profile between the two grouse species? Yeah, the rough grouse is a little darker meat. It, it might taste a little better to me. I don't know. Uh-huh. I think they all taste pretty good, though. Yeah, right on. Now, were you bow hunting or rifle hunting? Bow hunting. Okay, good deal. Yeah, we probably could have, you know, every year I've gone, if, if it was rifle season, I, I probably could have taken something home. But, uh, I mean, with the bows, it's just, they got to be really on fire, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, to get to get close enough to them. I have uh, killed one bull elk on three archery elk hunts so you know yeah about your about the standard luck i guess so mm-hmm. uh it's a low uh <laughs> it's a low return percentage wise on your on the time put in anyway but when you do get one yeah man, yeah. So, yeah i just i like going clear my head and see some country and you know absolutely live live pretty primitive for a for a week or so yeah yeah well, so what? Uh, so you you went and did that in September. Is there mm-hmm. uh, is there a chance for you to work anything else in? Or yeah, you know I've got a lot of, of time this winter. Um, actually, we've we've sort of worked that in, and we've worked our our tails off. You know, we were in the studio for forty days, and then we played, you know, one hundred and thirty some odd shows maybe mm-hmm. this year. And so you kind of get cut, cutting into time at home, and so we we try to you know chunk all of it up and actually spend you know most of the winter around the house because you know it's the holidays and everything too so yeah it's a good time to to be um hanging out i'm fixing to go i've got a big trip planned back to idaho with the same same bunch of folks and we're going to go uh fish uh for steelhead oh nice yeah that's gonna be fun yeah and uh like my mom and dad are going and my wife and uh and in-laws my sister and stuff so it's going to be a big one Awesome, awesome. Big adventure. Well, Evan, let's do this. Let's take a listen to one of the singles off of the new record. Uh, let's do Pipe Bomb Dream. Uh, then we will uh, we'll go straight into a commercial, come back, and talk a little bird hunting. How does that sound? Cool. All right, here's a brand new one from Turnpike Troubadours right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Got a real bad feeling, it's a pop-up 
Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do uh, deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at Hunt outlaw.com in the market for a compact track loader then check out the bobcat advantage where bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges whether you're looking for performance advantages uptime protection or quality design bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry but don't take our word for it watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see bobcat machines in person at bobcat of dallas and lewisville fort worth cedar hill longview and now mckinney Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Ah Power Polaris. Unrung is the name of that one. Brand new stuff from the Turnpike Troubadours off their latest record, A Long Way from the Heart. And we've still got our buddy and Turnpike frontman, Evan Felker, here with us. Uh, We're going to talk some bird dogs and uh, upland hunting here momentarily. Uh, But before we do that, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Horizon Firearms. If you're looking for a custom tack driver, and I mean custom down to the last detail, Horizon Firearms has you covered. They're based out of College Station, Texas. And when I went to them and said, hey, this is what I want in a 7 mag, they did everything and then some. It is the most beautiful rifle uh, that I've ever shot. And to have the confidence to know that every time I pull that trigger, 
that animal is not only not going to suffer, but he's going to be put down pretty much on the spot. Uh, it's a game changer. Check him out at horizonfirearms.com. All right, uh, Evan, before the break, you know, we talked a little bit about the new record, your recent archery elk turned grouse hunt in Idaho. But uh, let's shift gears here and talk about your real passion, bird dogs. And I believe you raise uh, German wire hair pointers, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I raise those wire hair dogs. And so I do duck hunting and some quail hunting out west, you know. Yeah. We're already at, we're kicking around a, a trip to, to Coleman, Texas. Not Coleman, Texas, but uh, Canadian, Texas, rather. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll both have quail. For, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coleman's pretty snaky at the beginning of the season, though. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Um, we went there last year, as a matter of fact, opening weekend, and it was really hot and really snaky. So, do you have yeah. your your wire hairs? Uh, do they have they gone to snake breaker clinics before? No, uh-huh. no, I do all the training on them myself. Uh-huh. They usually get bit. <laughs> That's what usually happens with them well, when they're about eight weeks uh, old. Something to think about there, as far as letting someone else snake break them for you if they're nah, bit. I ain't, I ain't letting anybody lay hands on them. Yeah, I don't I don't send my dogs to trainers. Right, right. Well, there's something to be said for a guy that trains his own dog, so more power to you on that front. And those German wire hairs, though, I mean, like you said, you do duck hunting, quail hunting. Uh, they're a pretty versatile yeah. breed. Yeah, they're neat. Um, they, they're they really great on the retrieving end and, uh, you know, on close point and stuff. They're, they're real talented, and they can handle handle the water pretty well. Yeah. And I don't, I don't hunt really, you know, just real hard or, you know, usually not on just huge water either. So it's a... Uh, they work out good for me, and I've got English pointers too. You know. Wow. So, about how many dogs do you have total? I've got six right now. Wow. Um, and and a jag terrier, so I got seven animals. <laughs> nice. uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I, well, I, I I try to start a couple of pups every year, and I'll probably have to probably have to come off of one or two of them this year. I got some friends that whose kennels are getting a little bit a little bit low, so they're probably going to want to. Want to buy some of them, maybe, but uh, yeah. no, I don't know. I I get get them all trained up and put all the hours in them, and then it's hard to come off of them. Yeah, well, and you know, a guy if you're hunting, you know, thirty thirty days in a year or more, you're uh, you need animals to to be you know starting all the time and and uh, you know things that so you can you know rest and sub things in and train you know get a get your training in. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Early in the year, and yeah, I got a couple of March uh, and April puppies that'll be ready to hunt this year on their first season. And uh, yeah, we raised a litter of pointers this year. Um, my mother did. Well, so your wife is uh, when you're on the road, she's she's a full time kennel, you know? No, no, <laughs> hell no. no, no I wouldn't get direct anybody to that. <laughs> now nah, she doesn't have to mess with them. Yeah. Well. Um... <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't realize yeah. you had that many. So you have all these dogs. You train them yourself. As far as like a good resource, is, do you go off of a book or is it all just stuff? Yeah, like- Wing and Shot, the, the the old classic, you know, bird dog manual of LU that Robert Wheelie guy uh-huh. uh, wrote it, and it's really it really holds up still. And then there's some there's some new um, some new trainers out there, and I I can't um, I can't think of the guy's name offhand. I wish I could. Um, but uh, there's some there are tons of really great, um, you know, reference materials for for that, and especially since you know your uh, e-collars have evolved so much. And uh, I mean, it's 
it's just not that hard to train one now. Yeah. Well, I've, so my uh, my old lab, he passed away last summer. He was 14. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I hear that, man. That's, that's a pretty good pretty good run for an old uh, Labrador. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For for big dog. Yeah. He weighed about 90 pounds. So mm-hmm. he had a he had a good run, and I retired him when he was 12 because I had a female, you know, up and coming. Really? She's seven now, so he took it easy for the last five or six years, but... Uh, Heck yeah, that's good, man. But uh, but yeah, so but I was, you you said e collars and old Maverick. So I got him when I was in college, and I couldn't afford an e collar. You know, I was like three hundred mm-hmm. bucks for a dog collar. Hell, I don't have mm-hmm. much money. Uh, so when I finally put it on him, and he hated it. Oh my god, it was mm-hmm. like it, you're torturing the dog. Now Belle, my seven year old, she grew up with that, and when you get that e collar out, she's wagging her tail just knowing that she's getting to go work. So it's just like totally, mm-hmm. you know, that's that that says to her, oh, it's time to go. Do what I love. Well, I, you know, I use them pretty pretty consistently if I'm going to be doing anything at all with the, with the dogs, mm-hmm. you know. But because I got that um, that Garmin Alpha set up, yeah, so I, I yeah. got so if we, uh, you know, if you get out and you got a young dog and it runs a gear or this or that, it just it makes it a little easier um, and less stressful to to run multiple dogs and not have to worry about losing everything, you know. Or when something does get away from you, you can really find it, and I mean, it's just a lot of stress and headache that it alleviates. For me, uh, and then you know, like the once they're a couple of years old, I can trust them for whatever. But then it's just the security blanket, really. They don't. I don't ever mm-hmm. have to shock Bell. She just obeys. So. Well, they've got those. Um, they got the setup so so low. You know, it's like a one to twenty scale, whereas the old Tritronic stuff was, you know, one to six, right? Yeah. So, like, I can, I can touch touch one of them on two, and you know, like more or less hold it down until they start. Um, you know, till they correct the behavior, like till they start doing what I want them to, and and it, it's not like you know really punishing something. It's sort of an irritating, you know, situation where they they want to get out of it and do sort of what they, yeah, what they're supposed to. Well, um, as far as foot protection for your dogs, what uh, what what do you usually put on on uh, on your bird? And the 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 draw tars are too big to to really boot up, uh-huh. and uh, and the pointers don't really need it. Okay. So uh, uh, yeah, you get some get some burrs and stuff, but we just deal with them. Yeah. Uh, I, I will like uh, with the the fuzzy dogs, I like shave their feet, you know, between their toes and stuff, so they don't get to get burrs in there that sort of want to um, mat up. Mm-hmm. That will kind of cripple them or make them really sore, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I don't really. I I just try to hunt in areas that don't have that many stickers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the quail, I. I mean the quail Ockham, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's a, well, it's just something you kind of have to have to deal with. It's, and that's the only time I even need foot protection because, like in southeast Oklahoma, we're, we're hunting logging roads and stuff. And once they, once they really get out and and get to moving after the first couple of weekends, their their feet are really tough on their own. You know. Right. Right. I was just curious because uh, I took Bell out to uh, the Panhandle. Last year, mm-hmm. and she was working behind a, a friend's Brittany, mm-hmm. and he had these. Uh, he had some old in, old bicycle tire uh, yeah. tubes, and he we just got them from like a you know junkyard or whatever. And sure, cut them up and we taped them around the, uh, the dog's feet, and then you know with duct tape and and yeah, it was like uh, I had never seen that before, so that was pretty. Yeah, I've seen that. And baby socks and duct tape is another one, and then they're they're the boots, um, and it it's. With the lab or with the draw tars, it's actually not that bad. My dogs all handle pretty good, but some some of that stuff is it's a nightmare trying to <laughs> yeah. trying to get them. You know, like a really you know hybrid 
pointer that hadn't really got a lot of hands laid on it, it's a, it can be a, a fiasco, a bit of rodeo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. No doubt. Uh, as far as bucket list stuff, last time, you know, it sounds like you've gone on elk hunts. Is there something else mm-hmm. uh, that's high up on your list? Oh, you know, not nothing huge right now. We're going to go, um, I got all kinds of trips going on, but me and my, my bird hunting partner are going to go to uh, Costa Rica and, and go fish for, for billfish. Nice. Which I think would be really, you know, a great, great experience. Um, and, uh, um, nothing major. I'm kind of liking what's going on right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I get to hunting, I hunt in Arkansas, uh, you know, where I'm going to get to this year, uh, for ducks and get to see a bunch of ducks. And I'm, I'm pretty pleased, man. I, I don't, I don't require a whole lot. Good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know what else I could ask for. I, my, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Well, let me ask you one more question. I'm curious cause I, I'm, I'm holding the, uh, the record here, the new project a long way from your heart. And I'm, mm-hmm. I want to know what is with the horse on the front and then the heart, uh, on the, uh, inside cover. Oh, you know, that, um, saying it's kind of an idiom about, about horses, you know, it's used about horses, you know, it's like if something gets kind of hurt or whatever, mm-hmm. like, don't worry about it. It's a long way from his heart, meaning it's not, you know, a, a mortal wound and, uh, more or less, so it'll get, you know, it'll get over it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I just thought that those things uh, had some nice imagery to them, um, and sort of back the uh, back the theme of the record up. Well, I'll be honest with you, I just want to eat the heart. I've uh, <laughs> been the heart. <laughs> that was the best thing out there. So I was like, oh, that's good. I'm kind of, I, I kind of hate to tell you this, but I think that's a human heart. <laughs> oh my, all right, well, sicko. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as appetizing anymore. But anyway, I mean, just an incredible follow up to what I thought was. I didn't think you guys could take it to the next level. The last record was so good, um, but you know, but but you did, and uh, I just wherever you guys lock yourself up next for the next <laughs> record, I'm sure it will turn out even better, man. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. You know, I think that we can. We're at a point where we can do this stuff pretty consistently, and, and maybe keep expanding upon it. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that there's more, you know, to be drawn from from. Uh, you know, the well that kind of got us to this, this point and, and, and how I'm approaching songs now, I think I can, I think I can do it pretty consistently. I hope so. You know, it's nerve wracking, but it's, uh, it, it, it seems doable. But so you don't ever worry about the well running dry, huh? I, yeah, I mean, you do, you, you do. Um, you worry about it, I, but I don't think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that you're always, you know, I'm always going to be learning new stuff and, and, you know, hearing other people's accounts on life or, you know, experiencing life myself and, uh, and being able to sort of turn that into some sort of art, you know? Yeah. Oh. Well, and again, I mean, you wrote or co-wrote every, every track on the record. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I was pretty proud of that. I, I, I set out to, to kind of be more active in the, in the writing and, uh, and just be more prolific with, with quality, which is like, you know pretty stringent task but you know i sat down in in a hotel in Asheville, north carolina and wrote with you know a tornado warning and unrung in two nights pretty much you know and i wrote unrung from scratch like i didn't even have an idea for it i just w- had watched a movie and started playing the guitar and the next day i had it huh. finished oh, wow. and we recorded it that day yeah 
So, uh, so you know, you know that if you really put your mind to it, it's it sucks because you can't like have a life. If you, and also, you go like a little bit crazy, just hold up somewhere in a in a hotel, just you know, racking your brain for some sort of avenue to go down that uh, that'll make you happy. Um, I could write more songs, but I, I'd, I'd rather. I don't write as an exercise like I write to have a finished product, you know. Uh-huh. I was surprised. I think it I've still got some half finished songs and things that didn't make the record or that weren't going to. Yeah. Uh that I can sort of start back on and and I really want to get get cracking on it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um well, just because, you know. Well, hey, don't work too hard. Take uh take some time and and do, I get plenty of I get plenty of time. Do a third <laughs> this winter. Yeah. And uh, I encourage all of our listeners to check it out. They, I mean, they love you guys as well. Uh, a long way from your heart. Dropped last week. You can find it uh, at uh, what is it, Turnpike Troubadours dot com. Yeah, and iTunes and Amazon and pretty uh, much anywhere all you, the you places. Get, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you get anything. Uh, follow the guys uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, Evan, my friend, always great catching up with you. And uh, like I said, love the new record. Hope you have a great hunting season. We'll look forward to the next one. You too, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. So there he goes. Turnpike Troubadours frontman Evan Felker. I wonder, to be honest with you, how many country singer-songwriters have a kennel full of bird dogs? <laughs> Pretty cool deal. Uh, from a, One of my favorite musicians to know. He's just like you and I and actually more hardcore of an upland hunter than most folks I know. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. With locations in San Antonio and Marion, Texas. Check them out for your next trophy. They've been taking care of me for six or seven years now. Josh and Becky are great people. They do stellar work, and they answer the phone every time I call, which is something I haven't found to be the case with other taxidermists. So, Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, you can find them at GR8Mounts.com. That's GR8Mounts.com. Well, let's take a break. Up next, a segment I'm going to title Small Farms, Big Bucks. My friend Sean Callahan shares his big buck story of a lifetime right here the on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's no telling what's in store along the 35 corridor. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, general manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. 
You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. I like to sit in them sunflower fields And watch that sunrise up over the hills See them birds flying like an old thundercloud I like to sit in my old dear stand Little Brandon Ryder bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Off Power Players as well. Our presenting sponsors, I'm Cable Smith, and uh, it is a treat to be here talking a little hunting and fishing with you guys and gals today. Uh, thanks for sharing a part of your week with me as we've got uh, a big buck tail for the ages to get into. As far as, you know, isn't it everybody's dream to own their own piece of hunting property? For some people, it's a reality. For me, I you know, I, I lease right now. Maybe someday I'll be able to uh, to have my own place, but I think everybody wants that, right? And so we're going to get into uh, my friend Sean Callahan's big buck tale here in just a second. But first, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Uh, they're the folks who can help you finance your hunting property. They've been doing it for over 100 years and we all know land is the one thing that they're not making any more of. So if you're looking to uh, get your own little slice of paradise, let Lone Star Ag Credit help you. And you can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Okay, well, without further ado, let's bring on our next guest. Uh, he's a good personal friend of mine, a hunting buddy, uh, has his own outdoor podcast as well. And, you know, whether it's in Texas or in the Midwest or somewhere else, so often you hear about giant bucks being killed on relatively small pieces of property. And so uh, joining us now for a segment on small farms, big bucks, uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Sean Callahan to the show. And Sean, I think I can see that smile uh, all the way from Texas, brother. <laughs> all the way oh, from man. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You, I'd say you have no idea, but I guarantee you, you do. Uh yeah. It's it's there's not there's not been much sleep happening I'll tell you that. <laughs> Big bucks get shot on small farms all over you know from Texas to the Midwest it's probably more oh, yeah. than in the Midwest you know Texas we have these vast in a lot of cases these vast ranches you know hundreds mm -hmm. and, and even thousands of acres some in some cases uh, even tens of thousands of acres but uh, you live in Missouri and yep. uh, now what part of uh, Missouri are you in Sean? Man, I would say it'd be kind of the Kansas City area. We're on the outskirts. I'm about an hour and a half east of uh, of a Kansas City, so um, kind of be north of the I-70 corridor and uh, closer to the uh, the uh, west side of the state. Okay, and then much like myself, you know, you're you kind of started out more in the waterfowling. Oh yeah, area and, without a doubt, man, and have gotten. I guess, how about how many seasons have you been seriously bow hunting? Dude, I want to say 
maybe seven or eight. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those deals. I mean, you know how it is. You go out and you duck hunt in the morning and then maybe go sit in the tree in the afternoon. And, uh, I mean, I got real serious. I've been bow hunting for probably about, I would say, eight years. I got real serious uh, probably my second second year into it just because the waterfowl season's just kind of, it's been weird. Um, yeah. You know, you go out and you just look at a blue sky and there's no ducks and it's hard to damn mallard, Sean. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, 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 you've cussed us forever saying that we're holding them up. I blame I blame Al Gore and global warming. I mean, I don't know where they are, but they ain't. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, but no, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. you got deer around, you may as well shoot it. Yeah. And I mean, it. you can go out. And, exactly, and that's the biggest thing about it, man. You can get so much meat off of it. Oh, and let's you be know, honest. I mean, I love duck hunting probably more than anything, but oh, yeah. duck doesn't <laughs> taste near as good as a whitetail. Well... Oh, yeah, don't give me that. It's all about. I no. know, you know, I love to cook too, and it is <laughs> no, all about no, yeah. what there, you put a, into it. It's a but completely, hey, it, it is a completely different game. Dude. I can make a whitetail taste good without yep. just basically throw it on the grill. If I would do that yep. with a duck and try to serve it to somebody, they'd be like, "Why?" It's are an you acquired. Me water, yeah, waterfowl can be an acquired taste. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so you bought a place yep. an hour and a half from home here yep. last year. And that's the dream. Everybody wants to own their own place. Uh, yours yeah. is, well, I think you told me, what, 95 acres? Yeah, 95 acres. It's about half timber, half tillable, and then half the tillable is in CRP. And so, an hour and a half from your place. Um, are yep. there, like, from where you live and where you hunt, typically are there a bunch of big bucks people kill every year? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Missouri, dude, yeah. Um, I mean, you're you on know, the edge you, of those you big see Midwestern bucks, so. Ah, man, there's guys, yes and no. I mean, I hear that, like, a guy shoots a big buck and everybody wants to stream there, but, dude, I know guys that have shot 180-inch and 190-inch deer down in the Ozarks. I mean, the bodies aren't as big, but, yeah, but yeah there's definitely, I mean, you have, I, I think it's just like a perfect balance, man. Mm-hmm. There's water, there's timber, and there's crop, and... You know, it's kind of like the grain. I don't know if it if we can be considered the grain belt, but um, you know, it's just it's it's sustainable habitat. And I grew up hunting around there. Uh, my other buck I killed, it was a 130 inch eight pointer, was five minutes down the road. Oh wow! Um, so I mean, yeah, there's big, there's definitely. But you knew there was potential for yeah, for sure. Well, I didn't really know that. I knew there was potential. For definitely like Pope and Young, mm-hmm. um, you know Boone and Crockett. I knew there was potential for big bucks, but then when I say big bucks, I'm talking 140, 150 inch deer. Hell you know those are yeah. those are nice. Yeah, those are nice deer for anybody. I don't care who you are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've you know um, my farmer buddies. Uh, they had told me about this place. It was going up for auction, and uh, he, you know he just stayed on me about it and. Um, you know, I start thinking, and he's like, "Dude, you know, if 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 you can get this, if you can stomach it, which is really hard to do, mind you, dropping <sighs> dropping that much money. I mean, I pretty much sold the last next fifteen years of my life." <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, and that was. I don't want to get yeah. too personal about your yeah. financial situation because yeah, yeah. that's yeah, private. But, but but you're not yeah. you're not a millionaire, so no, this, no. So it, yeah, it's it's it was a uh, it was definitely, you know, it's probably like the same as when you signed that paper. I'm sure you were kind of like. 
cringing a little bit, but so excited oh, at the God. same time. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. And, you know, I've been looking for a while, and, you know, I knew where we were at. Um, and, you know, if I could get this place for the right, for the right money, um, you, you know, it, it was sustainable. And I could try to get income off of it, like I said. And uh, mm-hmm. you're just one of those doing things. a little farming on it. Exactly, for sure. And it was just one of those things, man. I mean, it's Missouri, dude. I mean, you fight it in Texas. A lot of the states privately owned, um, and I just, dude, I've been picking up scraps, um, you know, hunting wherever so and so would let me, or you know, and yeah. there, you know, there's still a chance that you're going to get a big buck running through there or deer. But I've had a pretty rough couple years, and last year I didn't even, I didn't even hardly even see any deer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was out like 18 times or 17 times before I shot my doe, and I, <laughs> I was like relieved that I was able to actually drop a doe. So. It was just something I could do that I could go out there, I could do my own thing and not have to worry about ever, um, unless something bad happens, you know, financially and not to have to worry about, you know, being moved along or, um, you know, it's just my own little chunk. But the point is, is that let's just say you're an average guy and you, you know, you you have a a decent living and Mm -hmm. you, you had this, uh, this dream and you realized it and. And we're yep. able to, and I think, like you said, this went up for auction, uh, so yep. that obviously helped make it a little helped more a affordable. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you said the price for acre per acre for like non-tillable in that area was like thirty-five hundred bucks. So yeah. I don't know what what you got it for. That's personally none of my business, but you got a good deal. <laughs> yeah, and I did. So okay, so it hasn't even been a year that you've owned. No, that. it hasn't. Um, no. Nope. And you, I guess, you put your trail cameras out. You did. You put yeah. a food plot in, right? Dude, I completely had to change the demographic of the property, and that's what was really my biggest concern issue. I did, you know, we talked. I've shown you pictures, and I didn't really anticipate. I knew I could get a doe with my bow, or maybe even a smaller buck, but I wanted to shoot a mature buck, and so there was probably going to be some passing that went on. And um, the whole property wasn't CRP. Uh, all of the whatever half the property, the fifty uh, approximate acres, was all in CRP, and it was defunct. So. Um, I pretty much, when I signed the papers, uh, I waited for the safe hatch date, which I think was July 15th, you know, for turkeys and Mm -hmm. quail and all that. And I went in there and, uh, just started going to town because I needed to get the crop in where the CRP was defunct. So it just didn't end up being more crazy. And, um, like I said, I fought that Cerecia Lespedisa stuff, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of work, man. Just. Getting, uh, so how many acres did you plant and what, what did you plant? Dude, I have approximately, I want to say 24 acres. You know, Doug Castreva, the horny buck seed guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I used his, uh, tankalicious, which is like turnips, radishes and this, that, and the other. And I got that put in, um, I spread 90 ton of lime over the whole 24 acres of tillable, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of help bring up the pH or whatever. Cause I wasn't, I didn't have time to do soil tests. I mean, this whole thing was just like. I had to get stuff planted quick and it's been uh, basically left unkept. For oh years, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It's just been left unkept for years. So I'm stuck with trying to get this whole property revamped yep. and at least get something in there. Uh, you know, I ideally, you know, beans would have been good or something like that, but it wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. uh, for crop. So my goal was to try to get in there and beat that early September deadline for, for wheat or mid September, I should say for wheat. And uh, the food plot I needed, I can't remember, I think it was like 50 days of, uh, 
of actual growth time or whatever you call that gestation or germination, whatever you want to call it. I don't remember what he said, but before uh, a hard freeze. So I was really on a crunch time with it, but uh, the wheat, I mean, there's guys that plant wheat all the way up into uh, like November. So, well, so we'll fast forward just a little bit because just from yep. a time constraint standpoint, um, mm-hmm. you put your trail cameras out. I did. And that would have been, I think the first one was August 15th. <laughs> And you've seen that picture. Yeah, and so, and, and so the first the first time you went and pulled cards, you had a picture of this buck? No, dude. I literally got a text that night. Uh, it was like a cell service type deal mm-hmm. um, from uh, the the Spy Point guys. They were the only service provider that would actually work in the area. And I got a text, and you can imagine, you know, you're doing your app, and you're excited to get your pictures, and it's like, this is a new thing. And, you know, you use the uh, stealth cam ones. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You, it's you, it's you have zero zero impact, dude. You don't have to go in and check them. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you can just stay out, get your pictures. You don't have to worry about bumping deer, and they're good. But the first picture I get's like ten o'clock at night that night, and it's like these three deer, and one of them is just an absolute monster. Like I don't know, it blew my mind. Um, I was trying to describe it to one of my buddies because, of course, I'm like, holy crap, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The first picture you get is this, and and I'm trying to describe it, and it's like, dude, that's, I'm like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like he has a freaking war machine on top of his head, <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of where he got his name. I don't really do the whole name in deer. I think it's kind of cheesy, but um, yeah. It, uh, so there, I went on the whole cheesy train and named a deer war machine, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I had that whole anticipation of knowing that guy was in there, which actually made things worse because I still have stands to hang. So, um, you're like, what do I do at this? So how many stands did you, did you hang on the property for this? Dude, I have four stands. I had three stands up for the longest time in my fourth stand. I got put up in a ditch, uh, two weeks ago and I hung it the actual day I sat in it. And, um, you know, I tried, I got four stands and then I got a pop-up line. Uh, or a couple pop-up blinds like to take the kid out there for uh youth rifle or whatever when she finally yeah or turkey you know whatever and so but, how many so how many hunts did you actually put in before you dude, saw a big boy i i hit each stand starting with that that stand that i shot big boy in hmm. um i started with that stand and then i just kind of did a rotation and and i played the wind it was basically north wind every time and uh, no matter what, I was going to keep that rotation. That way, I wasn't putting too much pressure on one particular stand, you know. Oh yeah. Um, so so that was your fifth sit, then your second time. That was my that was my fifth sit out there on the property, uh, second time in that stand, and it was probably. I bet I was out there um, within you know opening day within the week of opening day. It was September fifteenth. I think my first hunt was probably maybe three or four days after that if not on opener i can't really remember was it hot as hell because i sat last week oh dude my first uh it was miserable yeah and i I, you know what uh i I love bow hunting whitetail but that's (laughs) why i like to chase mule deer and elk in uh, september and october because it's so damn hot it was 85 degrees getting eaten by mosquitoes yeah and i was like you know what tomorrow i'm going dove hunting screw this (laughs) <laughs> Dude, i'm telling you i'll see it, this tree in hard. november <laughs> they, yeah they don't they, and they don't call it the october the october little for nothing yeah. man and things usually just kind of chill out go nocturnal and and mm-hmm. just kind of fatten up for ruts from oh, what yeah. i've been under, yeah. been told so 
But yeah, that's it was my absolutely true. Oh, you'll get pictures of you know that's that's about after they they break up from their bachelor groups. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. and then they they start getting a little horny and and are mm-hmm. like, what is that feeling? You know, why do I start now? I kind of want to gore my buddy that I've been hanging out with for a while. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. You know. Well, and the funny thing about it is, is is uh, one of the things that could have helped me is his left eye, or his, it'd be his right eye if you're facing him. Mm-hmm. So it'd be dri- driver side eye is what I call it. Um, his driver's side eye um, had actually kind of been gored. And I have a picture of him and then one of the smaller bucks that, well, I'd say smaller buck, he's still decent, mm-hmm. but, uh, where they'd kind of been going around. And I would say that uh, that guy kind of got him behind the eyeball a little bit and he got some of that Lespedisa seed in there and it was kind of, it was all just kind of gummy. I mean, he could probably see out of it, but I guarantee it wasn't the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, okay, so that afternoon... What time did you get mm-hmm. in the stand? And you did tell me off there that you had a little cold front come through, so it was like we did, we did. We had a storm blow through that night, and it was pretty, pretty vicious, man. We got like an inch or two of rain, I think. Um, pretty heavy winds, uh, lots of thunder and lightning, and uh, wind, and the temperature dropped like twenty, probably twenty to thirty degrees. Uh, like I said, I think I had a picture of him the night before, and it was either forty-five or thirty-eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at midnight when the storm finally, when the cold front pushed in, but yeah, we had a cold front come in winds went from, from South to North and, uh, and this my, you know, is a little, is a funnel that you, you it know, is, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, a multi-point funnel too. So, yeah. you know, and that was kind of the only reason I went and part of me almost didn't want to go because, you know, it's about to get really good. Um, the next couple of weeks are going to be knocked down. Deer are going to be moving good. It's going to be cold. Yeah. Like this weekend, we're going to be like 29 degrees one one night. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think Friday night. So part I'm of it almost to the go. Texas Panhandle to uh, put up a feeder for mule deer season, yeah. which is in November. But it's going to be in the I'm sure in the <laughs> in the 30s up there. So it's going to be a welcome <laughs> yeah. change. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah, no, I'm ready, man. But yeah, it was it. We had a front and what time did you out climb there? in your stand? Dude, I went out there. Uh, I was up in my stand. I'd say probably about three thirty to four o'clock. Uh-huh. Um, I'd say in between three thirty and four o'clock. I looked at my truck and it was like right at, I think three fifteen when I was getting all my gear on. Yeah. And uh, I had to shoot my bow a couple times, but. And so what? Yeah, I got up there. Uh, and, war machine walk out. Well, dude, um, I saw a flash, and I'm gonna say it was probably around five fifteen. Uh huh. Uh. And I, you know it, and anybody who's seen a deer and you see it move through the timber, you see the, just their antlers. When you see a flash like that, you know it's a pretty good deer because there's just a big mass moving. And, you know, my first thought was there's a couple deer out there that are mature that aren't quite the size of him. And I'm like, okay, well, hopefully it's at least one of those, you know, because I don't expect that deer to come out. Yeah. They just, they don't. And even those other deer, they're fairly nocturnal too. So it's just, at this point, I know it's a decent deer. And, um, I just watched him sit there and run scrapes. I got my binos up. It's the, uh, good old, our buddies over at Vortex, uh, <laughs> my, my old set and looking through my old Vipers and I, I look and it's him and I know, I know it's warm. I know it's, I'm like, it's war machine, you know, yeah. pardon my French, but uh, that, that's not, not what I even said in my, you know, that point in time is way worse. But, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, at, at that point, my heart's pretty much jumping out of my chest. And I'm panicking, like, what do I do? Can I get him here? Do I need to just jump out and go stab him with an arrow? Um, yeah, I probably can't outrun him, so I better not do that. You don't uh, need to jump out and stab him with an arrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I mean, I've never had a deer 
ever even remotely close to that big uh, within that, with that, I mean, he's 55, you know, yards away from me at this point. If it would have been rifle season, he would have been down, but I have a bow and you can't shoot through branches and leaves. Um, don't work too good. Uh, And yeah, so I sat there, he kind of did his thing. I sat there and watched him run a scrape for about 10, 15 minutes. And then he kind of just, I couldn't see him anymore. And I'm, your heart drops. And, um, I just hit my grunt like three times, just real subtle, trying to make it like, hey, I'm over here making a scrape too, buddy. Yeah. And uh, remember when I, I stuck you in the eye a couple of days ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Come, let's let's do this again. Yeah. So, uh, I look up and in my food plot on the very north end, I see a white tail flash up and then just shoot off into the camera. And my heart, I mean, then my heart really drops. Like I just messed this up. Yeah, like, I blew I him out of here. The ground. Yeah, I blew him out of here. I shouldn't have done that. Because there's a lot of what it could have should have, and you know, until it's actually done, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking, like, man, I would have seen his antlers. This thing's so big that can't, couldn't have been him. Maybe it was a doe. Maybe it was a spike buck. Um, maybe it ran off, and maybe he disappeared because he saw that deer. You know, you start thinking, and well, maybe he's going to come around the point and walk down. And so I'm looking and looking and looking, and finally I just sit down because I kind of gave up and. Uh, I'm sitting there and not even five minutes goes by and I look over, same thing over there at that scrape. It was a new scrape that I had no idea was there. Um, there was one out in front of me I knew of, mm-hmm. but uh, I did not know that one he was working was over there. And uh, so, yeah, I saw him flashing again and this time it didn't last long. He was kind of jacked around for maybe about five more minutes and then just kind of turned and he starts walking toward me. So I instantly stand up and I actually have a video I'll share with everybody. Um, from that point forward, I kind of stand up and I had a, I had about a 25 to 30 yard, um, kind of quartering towards shot that I'm pretty proud of myself for not taking. Cause I think a lot of people might've panicked and just let it rip, uh, and had an arrow sticking in the deer shoulder. Quartering towards uh, not a good idea with a bow. No, no, it's not at all. And you know, um, that was the biggest thing I was proud of myself for not not just panicking. I mean, it thing. depends on the angle, but that is, I mean, that is a recipe yeah. for a gut shot and a lot of heartbreak. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. It's a so. recipe for disaster, man. But I didn't take the shot and you know, you have that thought if he would have just walked to the West, um, he would have been back in the CRP, uh, which he could have very well done, but he didn't. Um, he stopped right behind a couple trees that were 15 yards, uh, away from my stand and proceeded to make another scrape of which, uh, I did not know it was there either because I came in from the back of the stand and he scraped on it for, I'm going to say less than, well, a minute. Um, because as soon as he passed through the funnel area, um, and I did not take the shot, I was already drawn back and I was drawn back for about, I'd say anywhere from a minute 20 to a minute 30 seconds. Um, those and, elites make uh, it easy to do that. I'm telling you right now, uh, if it was, <laughs> of the let off on my E32, I'm sure had a lot to play with that, but uh, I don't know. With as big as that deer was, I might have been able to hold a recurve back that long too. <laughs> with all the with all the adrenaline, I had something through me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was trying to self film it, and uh, he he didn't do anything I thought he would do. I thought he would either go go east or west, and east would have been in front of me, and uh, he kind of just walked straight into the timber and. I had to lift up over my camera that I was trying to self with and basically film my armpit and kind of did the old man when he got into a small window. And when I say small window, it's a small window uh, that I didn't even clear. It just so happened that he happened to rock like 
right in the perfect area to where I could actually get a shot off, uh, probably 10, 15, 14 yard shot, uh, 25 foot up in a tree and damn near cut his heart in half. Uh, so did you put it right on him or, or your 20 yard pin or did you, uh, did you aim? Uh, oh man, I actually aimed little just low. a little bit, a little bit low. Yeah. And I started to kind of get nervous about that because he was so close. Yeah. Um, because I did have it set for 20 yards. And yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So he's 14 yards away. You got a yeah. pin, so you, you probably had uh-huh. to adjust, you know, account for that. Yep, I did. And I, I put just a little bit low, and it ended up being a damn near perfect shot. If I would have been any higher, I probably would have cut his heart plumb in half. Um, I was going to say, the, I think it was a rage hypodermic, and I was very, uh, very pleased uh with the performance of it for sure but so do uh, you see this so okay so you know you've hit him dude yeah and i i instantly thought it was a perfect shot like i saw that's um, the best feeling in the world (laughs) well yeah well it is but you start questioning yourself but i mean i'm followed by the worst feeling in the world (laughs) exactly and i'm shooting those it's not the luminox but it's the other one uh like nocturnal or something like that so i can actually see you know, the arrow go. And I saw it hit, I heard it hit, and then I instantly saw blood like the size of my fist or like a baseball on the entry hole, right, I'm talking right behind his shoulder, probably 10 inches up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's got to be money. Because you just don't normally see blood instantly that much that quick. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Uh and so I'm thinking this is perfect money shot. I sat there in the tree and pretty much convulged uh, for like five minutes. And I, I called my boat, my buddy Cody, who is pretty much across the property from me, who's one of the guys that was like, dude, this is a good property to get. And I've been back and forth with him a lot on the place. And, you know, yeah. he's got pictures that he has pictures of this deer on his place and you know, he told me. No, no like, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He, he, neither do I. And I'll tell you right now, I've never done this before, but it's kind of sad knowing I'll never get another picture of him. Yeah. But on the other end, it's 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 a weird conflicting battle I'm fighting with myself right now. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he told me to call him, and uh, I, I called him. My hands are still, I mean, they're still shaking, but not that bad. And I was like, dude, I just did it. And he's like, no, no way. He goes, which one did you get, Fat Daddy? And I'm like, no, I got, I got, I got War Machine. And he's like, no way. He was all the way up, uh, like 20 minutes away. He pretty much waited for his wife to get home, let the kids with the wife, drove back to his dad's place. Uh, I met him over there. I went climbed down, got my arrow. I didn't even go after the deer, even though I probably could have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put another arrow down that uh, I made, you know, shine or whatever. Because like this point, you're talking five, almost six o'clock. Sunset, I think, was six twenty-eight. Um, so I figured it would probably be dark cause I didn't, I didn't want to bump him. You know, my first instinct is I could probably go look for him and I'm like, nah, let's, he's on my property. If I hit him good, even if I just hit a lung, like hit one lung, he probably didn't run off my property yeah. cause I'm right smack in the middle of it. So I'm like, I'm just going to back out, give him his time. And, uh, you know, went over there, changed out, showed Cody arrow and he's looking and it had a little bit of, a little bit of fat on it. And that's, not a good thing usually. Oh yeah. Uh, but I told him I was like, man, I'm I'm 25 foot up in a tree, and he was like 10, 15 yards away. So I mean, that's a pretty up and down shot, right? And I said it it probably came out below his armpit, 
on the other side, which it did. Um, but uh, so he, his poker face is horrible. So instantly my gut drops. I'm like, what, man? <laughs> don't, don't, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. And, and I kept telling him, I'm like, dude, I know. I know it was good. I know it was good. There was a lot of blood on impact, like a lot of blood spray, not just drops. I'm talking like sprays of blood. So I was like, man, I got to be good. And uh, we go back, and it's it's getting dark, not quite dark. I mean, you can kind of tell in the pics, but it was getting dark. And then, of course, we start walking, really good blood spray. Um, we get into the timber, go about 15 yards to where we're almost leaving the timber, and it, it's kind of little drops here and there. But there was there was bubbles, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, and it, so I knew I at least hit a long. I wasn't really sure with the angle or whatever. But I knew I at least hit a lung, so I'm like, all right, good. You know, that's that's like the biggest weight off your shoulders right there. And then we get out of the timber, and he's like, I got blood over here. And I'm like, dude, I got blood way over here, like five, six feet over here to my right. And he's got blood, you know, three or four foot over to his left. And he's like, you got blood spray. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, you hit an artery. And I'm like, no, I hit his heart. I knew at that point, like, I'd hit perfect heart shot at that rate because I knew where I was aiming. Yeah. And, um uh, Sure as hell, man. We walked probably tracked seventy five yards, and uh, that uh, nasty old Cerisia lespedesia crap uh, slowed him down, and he was just laid up right there, man. It's I mean, amazing it was quick. that these animals yeah. can run that far with a with a. Oh yeah, they, uh, he was he was he was dead as soon as that arrow hit him. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, That's with, the I thing mean, about uh, you know that you made a perfect bow shot, <clears throat> but when I talk yeah. to people about why I shoot animals in the shoulder with a rifle, yep. Yeah, it's just boom anchor, boom anchor. They're yep. not going anywhere, and you might still hit nope. the heart. You know, yep. that bullet. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to cause massive devastation once it penetrates the shoulder. But the thing about the shoulder shot is, it's going to drop them. They and will immobilize drop them. Yep. So, no, you're right, dude. Because yeah. I've actually hit. I had. A, I almost had a similar shot uh, a couple years ago with my rifle um, on a doe, where I actually blew her heart up. Um, like I just destroyed it. She still. I mean, I was in the blood trail. I didn't even need to follow it, but I was. There was it's fun to follow a blood trail. Yeah, it is. I was yeah. picking up pieces of the deer's heart, and she still ran eighty yards. That's it's insane. Like, they are they are unreal. Well, so you get up to War Machine, put your hands on him for the first time, and and I, I've never had this experience, Sean, because I don't own my own place. You know, it's it was cool. I shot a nice buck last year on on my lease. Yeah. You know, I put in all the work and everything, and so that oh, was yeah. rewarding. It's, but it's, uh, yeah. to have your own farm to get this caliber of buck uh, in your first season, uh, dude, it's just, I mean, that's what dreams, that's, that's a big buck dream right there. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you right now, it's, uh, uh, I don't even know. I'm just beside myself. I'm not, I'm not quite, I, I kind of wish it was one of those things. I knew I had to kind of, he's already quartered up and caped out and all that, but I would have just went out and slept in the back of the truck for the thing forever, you know? But, <laughs> yeah, I, you so, know, at that rate. So I'm here's not. the million-dollar question everybody wants to know. Obviously, we've been talking about this buck and, yeah. you know, small farms, big bucks, kind of the theme here. What did he score? He scored out at 189 and two-eighths inches. Oh, um, <laughs> You sent me the yeah, picture I, of you with this buck, and I hadn't seen the trail camera pictures previously, so I was just like... No, I don't post them, and it's weird. I People said, like, Sean, I said, where did the uh, Texas high fence buck, how did that get end up in Missouri? <laughs> Dude, it's, it's not the first time, uh, you know, you're, you're joking with me, and there's some guys I posted on Missouri Bowhunters, and 
there were some guys that are like, do you know these people? Because they were saying the same thing. I'm like, no, they really, they really think uh, that I paid an outfitter or shot this thing on a high fence, I guess. I don't know what to tell uh, you. Well, <laughs> dude, I mean, I was, uh, number one, happy for you. And number two, I mean, a little bit jealous. I was like, golly, <laughs> son of a gun. I don't know if I'll ever Man, trump that. that so. That that means a lot coming from a guy who's who's pretty much shot every species out there, minus maybe a grizz, huh? Well, a nothing like this with my bow, man. And to do it on no. your own place, uh, I tell you what, I'm proud of you and, and happy for you, and it's uh, it's awesome, man. It truly is. So. What, man? I appreciate it, dude. I I just like I said, man. I'm I doubt I will ever do better than that i mean no, there'll be more to come i'll just sure. retire i, I mean just hang it up I, dude i'm telling you every, that's at some point like i i sat there and i kind of i've never been in the situation like in in you know i haven't been hunting that long there's guys that have been hunting 16 20 30 years and never even shot a buck with a bow right but i'm in a situation before rifle season that i literally just hung my bow up and it's like well i guess i can focus on ducks and geese now well i, I mean i'm sure you never thought uh that you would have that buck show up on no the first the first oh, the first no. picture you ever got I mean, no. Just, <laughs> yeah no absolutely not that's it's insane just, it's a whole bunch of wow yeah this is this is happening so well brother yeah. congrats again uh plug your uh plug your podcast real quick so folks can all right there. yeah itunes uh or android just search the pursuit to the plate um you can find me on facebook or facebook south pond outdoors uh instagram south pond outdoors i think there's an underscore between south pond and outdoors twitter i think it's s underscore p underscore waterfowl i know i know (laughs) but it's there and uh yeah man so that and then youtube you can search it although i'm a lot more heavy kind of like yourself on the uh, audio side of it but yeah facebook and instagram and right on, right on. <clears throat> there you know you know dang and well there's going to be a whole bunch of uh good stuff being made from them so oh yeah yeah <laughs> more brats jerky sausages steaks whatever well and uh yeah and i'm looking forward to seeing you in uh january at, yes sir uh, our mutual friend pavor outdoors now that He's back mm-hmm. on his feet after that rattlesnake bite. Oh God, man, what a mess, right? Eh? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go punch him in the neck this weekend. Uh, we're gonna go shoot some coyotes. So there you go. Yeah, yeah do that. That's uh, that's gonna be my next. I think my next track. I'm gonna be focusing on the uh, coyotes on my place as well because there's five or six of them on a hundred acres that I have on camera, oh, which wow. is yeah. five or six too many. But yeah, uh, yeah. Never get rid of them, man. We can try, but no, no, that ain't. All you can happen. do is try. <laughs> yep. Well, all good. right, brother. Well, hey, Sean, congrats again. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, just uh, I'm always fascinated by these big deer that get killed on relatively small properties. And to have, you know, it happened to your buddy, uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> well, hey, man, I do appreciate it. Hey, one other thing, southpondwaterfowl.com. You can find the recipes and stuff there that I got. So. Right on. Well, cool, man. Well, we'll see you in January. All right, buddy. Hey, you have a good one. All right, take care. All right, later, bud. All right, our good friend, Sean Callahan jumping on from Missouri. And seriously, I recommend that everybody check out Sean's podcast. Also, um, much like myself, he takes a lot of pride in preparing his wild game uh, for his family and friends. And he's got some great recipes as well uh, from a wild game standpoint. That segment of the show proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, by the way, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas, Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. 
unfortunately, just looking at the clock, we've got to go, got to get out of here. Thanks to all of our guests today. Obviously, Sean um, and then uh, Linda Powell of Mossberg Firearms. Of course, Evan Felker of the Turn Pike Troubadours. Uh, check out the new record because it is freaking bad to the bone. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible and a very special thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. But I learned more on the freight docks Dropping forklifts on the 3 o'clock a.m. Shift in the wintertime, man, it got cold Selling guitars on the west coast Going hungry 